that night. He held out his hand, and I shook it. I then said, You do not owe me any apology. What did you do wrong? You believed your commander-in-chief. You're supposed to believe your commander-in-chief. You're in the Navy. All of us should be able to believe whatever comes out of the president's mouth. I mean, if we can't have that, at the very least, that, then what are we left with? I went on to tell him that just because I didn't believe Bush in that first week of the war and said so in a very public way doesn't make me right. I didn't know if I was right that night. I'm not a weapons inspector. I mean, I thought I was right, but hey, I could have been wrong. It just turns out that I was a good guesser and a bad Oscar speech giver. No, I said to the Navy officer, you don't apologize to me. It is I who needs to apologize to you. I and the American people owe you and all the other servicemen and women who are over there a huge apology for sending you into harm's way when it was not only not necessary, it was done to line the pockets of a few greedy men. To risk your life for that, I am so sorry, and millions of Americans are sorry too. Please forgive us. I think he was a bit shocked to hear this. Well, hey, Mr. Moore, uh, you didn't send me over there. Yeah, but I didn't find the right words to convince enough people. I am in part responsible, and I helped to pay for it. I mean, I pay my taxes, so that means I owe some of the responsibility for this. I helped to foot the bill. I am responsible. We chatted a bit longer, and... Then I wished him well. He asked for my email address. I told him to send me a letter, and I like getting letters, especially from our troops. Truth is, now I get thousands of them. In the weeks and months since that night of the Oscars, my email box has been flooded with letters from soldiers in Iraq and Afghanistan. At first, I was surprised. I guess I made the wrong assumption that guys in the military were not going to be very supportive of what I had to say about the man in the Oval Office and my desire to prevent him from taking us to war. But as I found out, that was far from the truth. Letter after letter from these soldiers expressed a profound disillusionment with our mission in Southwest Asia. What makes their comments unique and so intense is the fact that they are not the words of the left or the rhetoric of the anti-war movement. They are the war movement. Their observations are filled with such purpose because they are the witnesses to war, the men and women on the ground being asked to do the killing and slowly realizing that their job has little to do with defending the United States of America. Since the beginning of the war, the American media has worked overtime to portray our brave troops as some sort of monolithic machine of men who are of one mind to rid Iraq of the bad guys and bring goodness and Uncle Sam and everything else to that country. It wasn't until Fahrenheit 9-11 that most people had any clue that there were so many soldiers not in support of what Bush was doing. I was amazed at screenings of the film watching people with their jaws open as soldier after soldier spoke of his dissatisfaction with the war effort. Why had we not heard these voices before? 
Surely the media knew this was a growing feeling among the troops. Those networks are there in Iraq every damn day. I've never even set foot in the country. How could I find this out so easily? And they couldn't. Of course, the answer is they've known all along that this is how many of the troops feel about the war. They knew, and they covered it up. Just as they did with so many other things about this war and the, quote, reasons why we went to war. Covered it up or looked the other way. Censored themselves so that others higher up wouldn't have to. It has been nothing short of disgraceful and dishonest that our free press first refused to do its job, ask the hard questions, demand the evidence before letting a president take us to war, and then went on to paint a picture of troops and their morale in Iraq that simply has no bearing in the truth. Just the fact that this book needs to be published should be an embarrassment to our national mainstream media. If they had reported on what you are about to read and hear in this book, these letters never would have had to have been sent, and I would not have to be wasting my time bringing them to you. Now, talk like this will only get me in trouble with those so-called journalists. Their conventional wisdom, which is usually so full of BS and nearly always wrong that it pains me to denigrate the word wisdom when used in this way. Their conventional wisdom is that people like Michael Moore and his ilk, well, they despise the troops because they don't support the troops, and their anti-war work undermines the war effort and puts these young men and women in even more danger. But then along comes an article like this one in the Washington Observer Reporter from Pennsylvania about the veteran who had set up a cyberspace bookmobile on the Internet to get free books to our soldiers in Iraq. It's called booksforsoldiers.com. You probably haven't heard of it, as not one other paper picked it up, because perhaps it contains a paragraph that flies in the face of everything the media holds sacred about the Michael Moore they've invented. This is what that article said in part. The most popular fiction request amongst the soldiers is anything by Stephen King, with Tom Clancy a close second. It might surprise some people to learn that filmmaker and vocal Bush critic Michael Moore is the most popular nonfiction request. <laughs> when I read that, I have to admit, even I was surprised. But why should I be? Remember when the war started and how kind of scary it was to make any statement against the war? If you did, you'd better follow it up immediately with this line. But I support the troops. I'm here to tell you that you didn't need to say that. Of course you support the troops. Who are the troops? The majority of them come from the poor and the working class, the very people most of you have always sided with. Many of you have spent your time helping those who sooner or later become our troops. At the very least, most of you have voted for representatives who have promised to be advocates for those who grow up on the other side of the tracks. You do not need to be defensive and blurt out that you support the troops. As far as I'm concerned, that's all we've ever done. And the troops know it. That's why they want my books, and that's why when I asked them if I could share their letters with you, they were ecstatic. The chance that someone might listen to them, that their voices would be heard by millions, moved them deeply. Not one soldier whom I asked to contribute his or her letter to this book refused.
As I'm writing this, I'm at my father's home in Michigan. He turned 83 today. I'm so proud of my dad. He served in the 1st Marine Division all through the worst battles of the South Pacific in World War II. His brother, Lorne, was killed in the Philippines. He told me tonight that I reminded him of his brother and how much he wishes we kids could have gotten to know him. My dad never talked about the war much while we were growing up. He told us that if we ever heard anyone talking a lot about their war stories, they were probably never really in combat because if you were in combat, you never wanted to relive it, only forget it. My dad has always been a peaceful and gentle man, and I have benefited much in having the good fortune of being his son. He still loves the Marines, still has some Marine stuff around the house, but as he watched the news tonight, with Mr. Bush refusing to condemn the ads which smeared John Kerry and his service to our country, my dad was filled with disgust. And then on TV came a fellow World War II vet, Bob Dole, claiming that, quote, Kerry never bled, even though he had three purple hearts. My dad was nothing short of offended. He said, Bush didn't even show up for his service, and he thinks he has the right to do this to Kerry? Let's hope Bush doesn't win. By the time you are hearing this, Bush may or may not have won. Regardless of the outcome of the 2004 election, the Iraq war does not seem as if it will be over any time soon. I hope that the letters in this book will provide some glimpse into what many soldiers are feeling about their mission on which they've been sent.